Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. We are back for Mavs Sports Take. This is episode 40, your weekly podcast for sports business and a whole lot more. Here we tackle the business of all the news that you hear about and some that you don't. We're going to be taking a look at the quarterback conversation, the carousel that could be coming to fruition sometime in the near future. Guys like Aaron Rodgers, Sean Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Will uh, Gardner Minshew be on the move. Plus, ever wonder what an NFL scout does during the months of May, June, and July before camp? We will be answering those questions here tonight at Mavs Sports Take. It is a odd season to say the least. Usually there is uh, some uneasiness after draft season for scouts in the business. So we're really going to dive into that before I begin. Mr. David Turner. How are we, man? Best time of my week. How are you, brother? Man, I'm good. It has been a long time with the draft, post-draft stuff. Now we're starting to move forward some other things. It is it is, it is just great to be on with you tonight, moving forward in a way in which we, we love to do and share some of my thoughts, some ideas, some avenues for people to think about. So I'm all for it. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's going to be exciting times. We're moving right into the 2022 NFL draft. I'm going to keep talking about it because it's going to happen eventually. But for now, we have a couple great topics that we want to get to tonight. want to thank everybody that is live with us, whether it is on Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook on the Mav Sports page. We thank you so much. We'll be taking live questions all night. If you want to throw something in the chat, we will touch on it. But before we do, I actually have a question for you. Mav Sports Consulting actually has a question for you. What did you do today to prepare prepare yourself for the next opportunity? Did you practice any interview questions? Did you drink enough water? Did you eat healthy? Did you post to social media? Did you reach out to team to your teams, letting them know you were available? If not, ask yourself why. If your answer is, I'm not sure how to do that, or I wasn't motivated today, maybe signing up with Mavericks is your way to find paths to, to be successful at all these tasks every day. And we can support your efforts to get you to where you want to be in life. Don't question if you need some coaching. Question why you haven't secured your coaching yet. Head to MaverickSportsConsulting.com today to make sure tomorrow is successful in your quest to getting noticed. So we want to move into quarterbacks. Before we do, mentioned questions that were thrown out to us on Twitter earlier. I had our good friend Jack Dispose, a good friend of the show. He's always on here. He actually sent us a question that David I thought was very interesting. So I wanted to tackle it real quick. So we always talk about the game is ever evolving. We always talk about the trends. For for you know the the big thing that I always mention is the Seattle Seahawks last year were the only team in the NFL that played base defense more than fifty percent of the time. It's a new age, and especially for us that we have the ability to do a scouting 
uh, seminar series, a class. We taught a class where we broke down the important qualities of each one of these positions. I feel like the NFL is getting a little blurred. So I really like this question by Jack because their game is ever evolving. The game is constantly changing. So David, I'm going to throw out like my initial thoughts here. I want to hear your thoughts. And then if you want to add or throw out a completely different topic here, let's keep it a little free flowing. So we already mentioned we're in sub packages more than 50% of the time, the majority of the time for NFL teams. So I have kind of been talking about this for a long time. And we talked about why I loved JC Horn coming out this year. For me, it was because the man had played nickel as a freshman playing inside in the slot. And then he had been playing outside corner for two years. And what I think a trend in the NFL is and where the NFL is going is that the game is becoming so dictated on matchups and the ability to take advantage of move pieces. Like you're not seeing a traditional player. And I think this is where the blur is kind of going on. You could call a guy an X receiver all you want, but Devonte Adams is not lining up at just X anymore. He's lining up in the slot. He's lining up in Z off the line of scrimmage. They are moving these matchup dictated pieces all over the place. So defensively, what I think the evolution is, and we've already started to see it, is that these cornerbacks, for one, it's blurring the the kind of the the line between outside corner and nickel. Because for me, the best corners now, your Jalen Ramsey's of the world, your Jair Alexander's of the world from Green Bay. They're not just playing outside all the time. They're moving inside. Linebackers. But I believe that the the line between strong safeties and true off-ball linebackers is becoming blurred because those guys, I mean, we're talking about Isaiah Simmons that was just valued so heavily coming out of Clemson last year. Is he a true linebacker? Is he a strong safety? All I know is that he is a matchup dictated player that's going to play over tight ends. He's going to take some running backs out of the backfield. He's going to play in the slot at times. So for me, the labels are starting to matter less. And for me, it is, hey, where can you play man-to-man coverage? Can you play inside out? I don't care if you're a corner anymore. I don't care if you're a nickel. For me, it is that positionless football that we always talk about. That is where the NFL is going, in my opinion. And you disagree. You're shaking your head at me, but I thought that was good. I I loved what I just said. I don't know. Well, I see what you're saying, but this isn't basketball where you can run the amoeba defense and everybody just switch off and pass off and, you know, move around because ultimately you're going to have Shaq in the paint. And if you're covering him with, you know, Spud Webb, it ain't going to work. Yes, I agree. But Devontae Adams, JC, you got him. Isaiah Simmons, George Kittle, you got him. That's where the matchup dictation comes. You're not going to get him soloed on a guy that he shouldn't be covering. You're going to make, you're going to, create that matchup in your favor. That's my point. Well, I know, I, I know what you're saying. And for me, when I think of defense is everything's a trend before mm-hmm. Bill Belichick really used the 34, the only other, you know, and did so well with it. The only other team that was traditionally doing it at the time was the uh, Steelers. Steelers. Okay. Yeah. So it was like the Steelers kind of had it, and you know that was really it. There was there, everybody else was forty three defenses, and then the Patriots went and moved to the thirty four, and all of a sudden that became the new trend. And now thirty fours are almost as equal as forty threes. And like you said, everybody's checking out a base, and you know you know the Ravens moved into a thirty four, and then the Patriots were thirty four. So then all of a sudden everybody had to start moving thirty four, and moving moving forward. 
you know, they thought, oh, this is great. You know, our special teams got better. And then all of a sudden the league switched special teams uh, to always being kicked through the end zones and all this stuff. So, you know, for me, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a good trend or it's going to be a, a one that goes for every, every uh, division. You know, for me, when I'm looking at what you're saying there, Ryan, it's more of um, you got to build the win your division. And, you know, in the case of, you know, when you're matching up against Kansas City, you know, you have the tight end that's very versatile. You have very fast speed on the outside. So you got to build to win that division. You're not necessarily building to beat the run, right? You're not going to build to beat the run. But if you're playing the Dallas Cowboys, you're building to beat the run and stop the run. And the New York Giants, you're, you're trying to stop the run first because those are the two teams in that division that if they run first, you know, you're intimidated a little bit if they get that run game going. Also, the Washington football team wants to run the ball, use a lot of play action passes. So in that division, if you're building your defense, you got to build it to stop the run and then go from there. I think the trends of amoeba style defenses and players that are interchangeable is really a dictation from what the college is doing because college has so much spread everywhere. And these players from call from freaking pop Warner to call high school to college, all they ever know are this spread offenses, which just does not work in the NFL because the athletes are too good. And the pass rush gets to the quarterback too fast. And, you know, you can't hit the quarterback as often in high school because there might be one guy that really is fast enough to go and um, get to the quarterback on a rush. But that being said, you just don't, you know, you account for him and the rest of the line is too slow, too small to get there in the NFL. Everybody can get there. So you got to, you know, you got to show up your packages as far as protection a lot better. You know, I think a trend that we're seeing right now with the coaches being the one running the teams versus the general managers is one that's going to ultimately bite owners in the Kulu because it's in the, it's what? In the Kulu. All okay. the Italians out there know what Kulu is. Uh, so, you know, I think that because the job of the general manager is earning a course he taught me was to protect the organization at all costs. You know, you have to go forward thinking of the owner of the organization with every move you make, whereas the coaches, everything they focus on is winning the next game, winning this week. It's not winning three, four years from now. It's making sure this season they go 11 and seven or 11 and six. I mean, um, and secured our job for next year because if they're making decisions that make them go, you know, three and 14. Now, you know, they might be out of a job next year. So, you know, it's gone. I mean, back in the, when I got into scouting and pursuing a general manager's job, and that's what my goal was in life. You know, there was very strong personnel of people in, in control of every team and every team, you know, had a, a, had a general manager looking out for its best interests. Now with the salaries of the coaches and the coaches complaining since Bill Parcells said I should be able to, you know, pick the groceries if I'm cooking the meal, um, you know, and the, the, and the salaries for coaches have gone through the roof, whereas personnel guys have not, you know, they're gaining so much control. I think ultimately you're going to find ownership not enjoying this model and going back more to the general manager model solely because the general managers really have the interest of the organization and the president and the, and the general manager can run 
the team and protect the owners um, back and guard their six because that's their job. So let me ask you, David, the, the first guy that I remember being the general, you know, taking on more of an expansive role as a general manager de facto, right? And being a head coach, I guess would be Bill Belichick. Is, is there somebody before him is my question. I think you had strong coaches before him, like Bill Walsh. People always thought, you know, he ran personnel as well. But even with Bill Walsh, you had Carmen Policy there. You know, you had you had other people in the building that really did it, and they didn't have the ego. So Bill Walsh just kind of took the press conferences and did stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, with uh, how our media is, our social media, and our feed me so fast media is, it's uh, – it's it's all about who's in front of the mic and then you go get you know like a guy like Kyle Shanahan hired and then he goes and you know they hired John Lynch right after and now they're like oh yeah we're buddies we're good but if there's infighting who has the final say right and, and that's where it all comes into and then the NFL rules come into well if the general manager if you're if you're interviewing someone to be a general manager and they don't have final say on the roster the other team can not grant you permission to interview them so then they say on paper the general manager has the final say just to get the guy they want over but the coach really has the call now Belichick has done a, has had a successful career in obviously doing this as far as winning with the the groceries he's selecting but let's not be everybody's honest Belichick. <laughs> well not, not everybody's Belichick and his tree is not deep in success stories post him you know but if you look at if you really do look at Bill Walsh's tree, where those people went, they had good personnel people with them. When you talk about, you know, Andy Reid in Philly, you know, they, they had a good personnel person with them. When they when you talk about um gosh, Green Bay, right? And then in Mike Holmgren, they had Ted Thompson and they had Ron Wolf. So, you know, they had good personnel people with them. It's a marriage. You can't have silos. You can't have your personnel silo and your coaching silo and they don't talk and they don't talk. You got to have good relationships with the people that are around you. You can't have the Marty Schottenheimer situation with what is it, AJ Smith down in San Diego where they didn't speak yeah. and they didn't like each other. Marty went 14 and two or whatever and they got thrown out the building and they, you know, they didn't recover for a long time after that decision and that move. You, you know, both parties have to come to the table and be, you know, it's got to be. Uh, relationship that is, you know, viable in both ways have to respect the jobs being done, but that's only happens through good communication and good systems set up to do so. Like, I think, you know, right now, if you look up in Buffalo, you know, Davis was obviously Billy was there before being, but they have a really good relationship and they're walking in sync with each other. Look what's happening in Miami. I think those coach that coach Chris and, and, um, Brian Flores and Brian Flores are walking in step with each other. I think Veach and what's going on there in Kansas City with Andy Reid, they're walking in step with each other. So you have personnel and coaching walking in step and you're seeing the success through that. So, you know, again, my whole thing is when you have a general manager guarding your six and really taking the ownership's best interest in into mind, you don't wind up with situations like Houston. You don't wind right. up with situations like Green Bay. You don't wind up with situations um, that you have in other places. And, you know, it, it it gets headed off 
before it gets to the press. It gets headed off before it really gets out of the locker room because your general manager's got his ear to the roster and to the players, and he's working it in a different angle that the coaches can work it because the coaches need to get the best out of the players each and every week to win football games, whereas the general manager, that that, that doesn't need to be their focus, and it doesn't it shouldn't be their focus. Right. Well, I, I like the conversation about, you know, obviously open lines of communication between both parties, whether it be general manager and coaching. I would like to say, though, David, I heard um, I heard your boy Bill O'Brien had good conversations to himself. So, you know, just throwing that out there real quick. Uh, next topic. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. boy. Yeah. Your boy. <clears throat> Dude, you you are a big B.O.B. fan. Let's how's, how's Billy Boy doing? Where is he at again? Is he back up I with am, the Patriots? I, Where I think he? he might be coaching high school football in Jersey. I'm just no, I think Billy Boy might want did he go to did he go down to Alabama? I don't know. I th- yes. Yes, I think you are correct there. I think you called that one correct, which is a great spot for him. He's a good college coach. Let's 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 uh end it there. So we're gonna talk quarterbacks. One of his former quarterbacks also is the is the big topic, right? Talking about, of course, Mr. Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans, who what kind of want to lay down. You know, we've talked about the issues that Deshaun Watson uh the issues that Deshaun Watson is facing right now legally. So I want to kind of paint the picture a little further in depth. We want to talk about what could be next steps with some of these quarterbacks that could potentially be on the move. What are reasonable destinations? Maybe a little bit, but more than anything, like risk versus reward, I think is a good conversation for these types of pieces. And I think a perfect way to start again is with Deshaun Watson. So obviously legal controversy, he's facing 22 civil suits against Watson. All of the claims arise from allegations of misconduct during a massage therapy session, uh, Peter King. Not a, several. Several, I'm sorry, misquoted there. I do not want to misquote such a serious subject here. So, of course, Peter King from Football Morning in America's column laid out some possibilities for Deshaun, both in t- trade possibilities, both in the 2021 spectrum of a season and then more than likely, from what it's sounding, 2022. Now, let's be starting off here. This is all very dependent on whether or what the outcome is of these legal disputes, because right now it looks bad. Like, let's call it what it is. The law, I know the longer that and I, it was highlighted in, in Peter's article, the, the longer that we're not hearing too much, that is actually better for Deshaun. So we'll see what the outcomes are long term. But possibilities here, David, we're, we're talking about it. And in the article, they discussed. If something does happen, more than likely in 2022, so we're talking way to the future, Philadelphia Eagles and Carolina Panthers are apparently the favorites in the betting odds, each three to one odds to land Deshaun Watson. And then you have teams like the Washington football team at five to one, Denver Broncos six to one, Houston Texans eight to one, which made me laugh a little bit. New Orleans Saints nine to one, Miami Dolphins, Minnesota Vikings, a little further down the list, Pittsburgh Steelers. Funny, though, for me, Carolina was the one that kind of stood out to me and said, you know, that's kind of, you know, very dependent on how Sam Darnold does this year. But then they're saying 2021, the front, clear front runner, if it's more in short term, if things are resolved and he is in good grace and good standing, even though I'm sure he's going to be facing some type of uh, suspension, even if everything goes his way with, with the proceedings. But the team that is the odds-on favor is the Miami Dolphins, followed by the Philadelphia Eagles, Houston Texans again. Um, 
I guess, remaining or retaining him, Carolina Panthers. So I will say this, David. I obviously am right outside of Philadelphia. I listen to WIP in the morning every single day on my my way to work. And this has been the huge talking points. And I know it's it's going to be, and it's going to continue to be, because people aren't sold on Jalen Hurts. They're not. So the, the team is not putting any confidence behind him. Know from that conversation, and they seem that you know any quarterback rumor they thought of Eagles are going to be associated, and obviously they are a couple of the favorites in the situation. So let's start here, David. More likely outcome for you. Let's assume that things get remedied. I know that's very dependent on what the timeline looks like, but you have to think with how everything is kind of transpiring and how long legal processes do take. You know, usually that. The trade in 2022 is probably more likely. You agree with that? I don't know, being frank, yeah. because. So, you know, Peter in an article was talking about how he might be on a, the commissioner exemplist why this gets figured out in 2021. Right. Allowing the Texans some distance and the league some distance from whatever is going on and then make a decision on 2022. But I think if he's on that exempt list all year, people will say, when's he coming off? Is he eligible to come off? Is this a time where they can pull him off? You know, now that these court proceedings or whatever are settled, can we now see him emerge? Can we see him traded? The the question about him all year, I think, will sit and linger if he's on that exempt list, which is what the the organization and the league, I think, want to get away from. So for me, I just don't know if that's a viable option or if the commissioner comes out and says, listen, uh, we're suspending him for the year and and move on. Now, the articles made it seem like it was a um, good thing that they're silence. Right. Um, and, you know, because the three weeks post first accusation was daily post daily things. The the um, lawyer for the young ladies are was out there trying to drum up uh, support for them and their claims. So he was constantly flooding the market with more and more tweets and more and more social media posts and more and more accusations. Personally, I don't understand the silence because I would feel the organization would want to have information coming out. You know, if, if things are being negotiated, if they're not, whatever, I think something you know, silence to me is all is not always the best thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, you know, if for some reason, let's just say he comes out with 22 settlements all at once, he settles all cases or he settles 18 of the 22 and the other ones walked away or whatever. I don't know. You know what I'm right. saying? Yep. Who touches this guy? I don't know, man. Because again, know. like all the fans will say whatever they want to say and the markets and the radio hosts that will, you know, want you to tune in to listen to it. Hell, here on Mavs, we're talking about it. But yeah. as a general manager, who's going to touch them in a trade talk and what are they going to get in compensation for them? Um, that's that's my question because you know, if you if you go to Philly, does the Philadelphia market and do the Lorries want him there? You right. know, and then and then say they they don't. I really have a hard time thinking that he goes down to Miami with the ownership and the people down there that are in charge. I know them from working there, and I don't see Jill and those people 
in Miami in the in the ranks, you know, Mr. Ross and everything. I mean, I think one of the a couple of the owners are J Lo and Serena Williams each got one percent of the team or something. I really don't think they want him. And then I, I you know, I can't imagine any of the female owners in the league wanting him. No. So again, where does he land becomes of not just where the fans want him to go because right. they don't, you know, they think he would be a good football player. The organization is a billion dollar industry in itself. And to have that fit, and there's three faces to the franchise, as you heard me say before the coach, the quarterback, and the GM. Mm-hmm. Nobody can tell you, not uh, very rarely can somebody tell you even what the president's face looks like for an organization, but they can tell you what the GM, the coach, and the, and the quarterback look like. So for him to guide your ship into the market, I think you're inviting a lot of headaches to trade for him when you can roll with whoever you have this year and keep that, that stream of income and revenue flowing in whatever direction it is. And again, you might not be sold on Hertz. You might not be sold on Tua, but it, it might be the organization's decision. It's better to roll with one of them than bring Deshaun in with 22 settlements on his record. It's so funny because obviously we're talking about the difference between you know the the reality, and that is the front office and the coaches and how it looks on the franchise, right? The, 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 I mean, it's, it's a huge decision, but then you listen to some of these people, I will tell you this, David, I don't know if they did a poll this week on WIP here in Philly, but I'd be willing to say about 80% of these fans want Deshaun Watson in this situation without even like, it's, it's, it's unsettling to be honest, because, you know, they don't even really, I don't think they take a step back and just kind of think about, you know, the, the wide scope of it. It's just, you know, always oh, a great football player. We know he's a great football player. So let's let, so the last conversation piece, cause you know, you guys can, I mean, we laid it out pretty well, I think, but if you want to continue to Google it, I mean, it's a lot of uh, unsettling, I think is the word that just keeps come, popping up for a guy like Deshaun Watson and everything that he's dealing with. And that these poor ladies that are in effect here are dealing with also. Can't well, you're, you're a father of a daughter. I'm a father yep. of a daughter. Yep. And, you know, if one of these accusations was correct, a I would have one. A, right. A single just one. Just one. Yep. one of the 22 is correct. Yep. I would have a hard time looking my daughter in the face and saying, this is the best business decision daddy can come up with. Right. Because fuck me if I can't find a better decision to build this team around a better human being. Now I'm not accusing them. Don't tell me go, go Twitterverse, calm down. But I'm yeah. saying if one mm-hmm. is correct, and right. that's a big IF, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if one's correct, I have to be able to look my daughter in the in the face long after my career is over and tell her it was the best decision I could come up with. And I'm a better personnel guy than that. Yeah. I would figure it out some other way. Bef- you know, before the accusations came out, the organization had an opportunity to get, you know, to go and pawn him off and get a, a king's ransom for him. But, you know, again, if if it's true, if one of them's true, yep, you got to, in my opinion, you got to, you got to let him skate and go a different way. You know, if if it's not true, if for some reason the cases have gone silent because they're finding less evidence, whatever to support it. And it was all fluff and then they're getting it together to be able to, you know, stomp out all 22 
accusations, which is hard to believe, but maybe they can. I don't know. Again, the man's innocent in my eyes before, proven guilty, but we're sure. on a show, so we're talking about both instances here. Yep. Then I hope they clear his name and he gets to play, and, he, and again, people apologize to him. You know, because again, right now we have accusations. We have a lot of them. It's a big weight on one side, but we haven't proven in my mind, in my eyes, I haven't seen proof of it yet. But again, as a father, one, one proof. And it's going to be very hard to touch this guy as a player and, and look your, your daughter in the face saying, this is the best daddy can do. Even though he's a rare talent, he's an incredible talent. There, you know, football goes beyond just talent. Absolutely. Uh, it's very well said. And I would say that, you know, I think a lot of people would want to talk about like, hey, if nothing was looming over his head, this never happened. What is his asking price? What is the price that a team would be willing to pay versus what it is now? I don't even want to like entertain what it would be now because like we're, we're again, we're dealing with so much speculation here that I, I'm just we're just going to cast it off. If he was fully wet, ready to go. None of these accusations ever happened. When we were talking about the trades before anything ever happened, any of these allegations, three firsts maybe for a 25-year-old top five quarterback? I mean, very possible, right? Like, I, I think that that's reasonable. I think you could have got four firsts, two twos, and a three at least because wow. being honest, yeah. I mean, his talent has been proven. He's an MVP-style candidate. You know, he's a guy who's – who's got the arm talent, move, te- move around the pocket. He's not had a lot of people around him when he did have Hopkins down there. I mean, he made some incredible throws, and Hopkins bailed him out and different things. But if you were to go put him on the Steelers right now, I think the Steelers would be the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl. And he just had his best season without DeAndre Hopkins, too. So incredibly talented football player. Nobody, oh, yeah. nobody would ever question that. I know Dan, Dan Cassidy, shout-out to Dan Cassidy for throwing us the first question of the night. Does anybody have any faith he won't be suspended for some period of time? A lot of smoke. Uh, absolutely, Dan. It, it's I, I think that it's imminent. Even if everything goes like David's saying, you know, completely the best possible way, I think it's a bad look either way. I think that there is going to be some type of suspension, and I think that he will have to serve that time because this is a serious issue that cannot be just skated by. Even if he is, even if everything is acquitted and he is good to go, I still think that he would be facing some sort of suspension. Absolutely. No, I Nothing agree. Add? I mean, Nothing yeah, add? no, I agree. Yeah. I he's he's going to miss some. Sorry. I was, I was <laughs> thought you were wrapping it up and moving on, but no, I agree. I think he's going to eventually be suspended for some period of time, depending on what the outcome is. And I really believe the NFL hopes this gets wrapped up in June or yeah. July at the late before training camps open. So they can open on a positive note. You know, we saw people talking about fans being back in the stands today. We're seeing different, you know, positive, you know, no, notes coming out of different places that they want to talk about. They don't want to talk schedule about schedule release, man. Yeah, like, schedule releases tomorrow. Yeah. My friend who works at the 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 Redskins, or I'm sorry, at the Washington football team, it was talking about how tomorrow's like their Christmas day because schedules release and you know it's all coming out and you know people can be positive about who they're playing and the home games tickets can go on sale and yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a black eye that the NFL doesn't want lingering. So they hope. They really hope that it can go away sooner than later. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we want to spend a lot of time with Deshaun Watson because there's a lot of layers to that potential. Let's move on to another guy that this was kind of spurred on to us relatively quick, uh, right around the draft time. It was funny. Like, it was the morning of the draft. That was like it's Thursday, yeah. 
the morning I went, David, this is the funny, I didn't think I told you this. I went on a Green Bay Packer based radio station literally like a half an hour after that news broke that Aaron Rodgers was disgruntled and he wanted out. He's not returning to the team. And it was so funny because they got me on the radio and they're like, I know this is a great time, but we're going to talk about draft. And then they just kept reiterating every like two minutes. Like I, no, we don't understand what's happening with Aaron Rodgers. We're going to get to it, but we have draft talk. I'm just like, wow, this is the worst timing in the world. So to lay it out, Aaron Rodgers, all-time great quarterback, all-time great Green Bay Packer quarterback, obviously, is apparently he's done. He's done. And you just keep hearing it. I mean, there's been moments throughout the years where it's kind of seems like there's been a little bit of a fractured relationship there between the team. And it looks like it might be on the brink. So, David, I think he is 37, will be 38 during the 2021 season. So, obviously, he's a guy with a very short window. I know we see some guys playing into their 40s, but not everybody's Tom Brady, right? So, I mean, how many seasons are we getting? Two to three, maybe good, you know, good seasons. He's had some injuries in the past. So like it, I think two to three years is probably the, the window for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. So starting here, what could you get right now for Aaron Rodgers? Do you think if the Packers were willing to trade him, what is the draft capital? What is the compensation level for a guy who just came off of what maybe his best year and an MVP season? Bucket of popcorn chicken. <laughs> what is that your seriously answer that's it well i mean let's think about it you got aaron Rodgers, who's classically bashed pretty much been a disgruntled worker since he's gotten yeah. into the league you know they they're they're even saying he's still carrying around the grudge that he wasn't the first overall pick by the niners which is hilarious since i think we went into detail on this at the draft show why he's a bay was, area guy man he's a bay area guy doesn't right? matter it's his own fault his own damn fault <laughs> that he, he wasn't the guy he, and he still doesn't take ownership for it but do you want to bring a 37 year old disgruntled individual into your locker room who's talented but wants Great everything player. done his way and again some team can go out there and sell their soul if you're the pittsburgh steelers and green bay will send them to you <clears throat> maybe you do you know it, if you're a team like the Colts and he can come in right away and help uh, you Carson win right Wentz, away. Baby. We talking? <clears throat> yeah, Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah like I said, it. the Colts, you know, maybe you you bring in Aaron Rodgers and you win a Super Bowl. Okay. Broncos. 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 Team. Again, I hear the Broncos a lot. Yep. And it's interesting to hear that that team because to me, they're not a quarterback away. They still I have think them. they are. I think it's a pretty good roster, to be honest. I, I think it's a good roster. I think it's a decent roster. Don't get me wrong. And I think he's got decent offensive linemen. He's got good receivers. But I'm not sold on I'm not sold on that, that offensive line there. Now I might be wrong, but I'm not sold on that offensive line. Like if if you to, if you told me the Colts called and Aaron caught, sees that offensive line in front of him, he might be like, Oh yeah, let's go. You know, I got these offensive line, I got I got some weapons, let's go. Carson wants um, to play tight ends. Yeah. Good, yeah. Man. So, you know, that that's that's interesting to me. Um, but you know, for Aaron, I don't think the market's gonna be three firsts or you know, something like the value for him makes Green Bay go, yeah, let's do it. And again, even two firsts, I don't know. I don't know. MVP, man. One of the best we've ever seen do it. 
But what teams are one player away from winning a Super Bowl? So, what teams are one player away away from winning a Super Bowl? I think you you named the Colts. I mean, we'll see if Carson Wentz is their guy, right? I I think the Broncos are pretty darn close, man. Like, I really do. I understand your concerns a little bit with them, but, like, I think they're pretty close, to be honest with you. I think the Washington football team is – getting pretty close they're close i don't know if they'd be they in the are close. that's a good call they are close like they have fitzpatrick i know he's kind of the stopgap for the year until they calling him the next guy it's magic oh okay well fitz magic is is also i think 38 or 39 years old so the magic is almost out so um they're another you know what you know this is a team david i i know i know they've been had a kind of a questionable offseason with some retooling if you want to call it that of the offensive line i think the las vegas raiders are kind of i knew you're kind of a little bit a little bit close i'm not saying they're gonna win a super bowl but like they would definitely be a playoff team and then you know as soon as you get in the playoffs like yeah see what happens type of thing you know especially in the afc like you just need to get past the chiefs honestly at that point so well again they got to get past the Chiefs. they got to get saints 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 is the team i'm thinking but again he has 38 million owed on his cap if yeah. they trade him, I want to say that the Green Bay is on the hook for 30 of it, of the 38. So the team getting him only has $8 million on the hat, on the cap hit, but the dead money for Green Bay is $30 million. Instead of telling him, suck it up, buttercup, and come play for us, you're allowing him to go out the door and get what he wants, and you're still paying him $30 million. I mean, when Teddy Bridgewater got traded to uh, the Broncos, uh, he had ten million guaranteed, and you know Carolina is still paying seven, and the and the Broncos are only paying three. So for for the Carolina Panthers, are like, well, we got rid of Teddy, we got Donald, we're gonna we picked up his fifth year, cool. We all, and it costs us seven million dollars, which is a decent hit on your cap. But that being said, it's only seven versus thirty, right. Right. I get that. I get that. So what are we settling on, David? If in the perfect world, I know you're, you're having a tough time finding a team that you think is a reasonable landing spot, but two firsts, you think that's reasonable for a guy like Rogers? You think he could command that? I think if you're Green Bay, you're looking for two firsts and probably like a switch in the third to a team that's going to be higher draft pick, okay. maybe even a second, you know, and again, it could be a, a first next year and then a first and second in 2023 because the 2022 draft class seems to be very coveted. So it would be something of that nature, but I just find it hard for them to let them go when they have so much dead money on their cap. And then, you know, what, who's going to, again, who's going to sell their soul to bring him in? Cause he'll be the, he'll be the one guy. Well, Philadelphia Eagles fans are always very, also very excited about Aaron Rodgers possibility, right? Philadelphia Eagles. Love well, that, that makes Aaron more Rodgers. sense to me than Deshaun just because, of League that around. young coach, you got a good system that would actually fit Aaron really well there. It was similar to what the Colts ran, from what I understand. I'm understanding. Yeah. So that would fit Aaron. That would be a better situation. But again, that offensive line, I don't know if it's where Aaron wants to go. I mean, if it's healthy, it's very good. But I mean, the Eagles have been dealing with injuries, obviously, very recently. And they um, just drafted a guy that's never finished the season healthy. But you know, whatever. But he's not going to play this year. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. So, um, all right. So those are obviously the two big names on the market potentially: Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. Want to get it real quick? A couple of the lesser known, lesser known, 
smaller names. We'll call them smaller names. David's favorite quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously. Trey Lance drafted number three overall. The writing's on the wall. Jimmy G is about to be out the door. The question is, is he a bridge for this year to bring Trey along for a few games? Maybe, you know, sit him the whole year, potentially. Who knows? Or is he a guy that's going to be out the door early? I think that I, I, I said this on my podcast this week, David. I would love your insight into this. I think Trey Lance is going to start the first football game this year for the San Francisco 49ers. I do not think there's going to be a bridge option. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out the door soon. I think it's going to be very dependent on like, hey, when we get to training camp and, the, and you know, preseason stuff, what team's quarterback goes down, who is in an emergency situation, and then that's going to be kind of where Jimmy G comes off the board. I don't think that it's going to be anytime necessarily soon. I think it's going to be a team that gets a little desperate. Jimmy G to the Saints. Watch that move. That's boring, dude. That's so boring. It's not boring. It's a situation where they need a quarterback. When they get into training camp and they realize who they have, and your boy Ian Book isn't doing his job. Uh, oh, my boy. Yeah. Notre Dame, you got to live and die. Great holder, man. Great holder. It's going to be that fantastic holder. So, you know, I think you, you might wind up because, again, that's a situation where I think he's owed $23 million. Yeah. And it's a situation where the Saints can clear some room, work some contracts, and the Niners might actually pay the money, you know, the $15 million or whatever they have on the hook on the back end to get rid of Jimmy G and send him to the Saints. And though it's both NFC teams, um, they're different divisions. And, you know, Jimmy G with his injury history, whatever, he probably is only going to command a sixth or a fifth round pick in compensation. Or if you trade him to the Saints and say, hey, listen, if he's your starter for over eight games, nine games, that six turns into a third and you put a conditional pick onto it um, based on his health and staying healthy and everything that in itself could, or you can put into a 2023 third round pick and say, listen, if he's your starter for two years, then it goes into a first round pick type situation. So, you know, I think Jimmy G has some trade value to the right team. And I think the team like the, the new Orleans saints could be it unless an injury comes up. You know, yeah. even watch Jimmy G down to Houston if Deshaun Watson winds up going on the commissioner's exempt list and his salary comes off theirs, they could call up to San Francisco and say, hey, can we get Jimmy G and bring him down to Houston? Now he's in the AFC. He's out of the NFC. So even if he goes down there and does great, you've moved on from him and you've cleared your room for the following year. And, you know, like you said, I think they're going to be very confident with Trey once they get him in the building and they see his tools and his capabilities. David, I thought you liked Jimmy G and you want to throw him to the wolves down in Houston. Come on, man. That's so I'm just looking for teams that might need help, brother. I'm just, you know, until training camp happens and until injuries happen, you don't want to, you know, you can't go out and say this team or that team in new New or or, uh, new England was the rumor, but they went and got their guy in Mac, which again, they're not going to try to have Cam Newton, Mac and Jimmy G all on the roster at one time. That's just not right. a New England way. So yeah. when you're looking at the landscape right now, New Orleans and Houston are the two teams that might be interested in Jimmy G at this time. And so we had Dan comment in here. I think San Francisco is too good to start with Trey, although I think, uh, I guess, early on is what he means, although I think he'll eventually be great. This is my opinion on this one, David, and this is kind of what I was saying. You know, I would love your opinion on it. 
a guy like Trey Lance, who has been kind of revered for his mental acumen and his ability to come from a pro style system. I don't think that Trey Lance is in a situation where like he has to be ushered along slowly because I think that from a mental side, he's going to get there quick. The thing that with Trey Lance is like, he just did not throw the football a ton. You know, he, he missed the entire season. He played as a redshirt freshman, threw the ball like 300 times, didn't play except for one game this year. For me, Trey Lance needs to play football. Like, that's where I think that his biggest thing is. Like, he he needs live bullets. I don't think it's a sink or swim. I don't think it's something where, like, you have to bring him along slowly because the mental side needs to sharpen. He needs to sit behind a guy, and he needs to learn to, learn to play the game. I think that Trey Lance literally just needs to play football. That's kind of my opinion on it. I am anybody who listens to me knows I'm really a big proponent of sitting a rookie quarterback. Like I really am for the whole year. But in this case, Ryan, I think you're a hundred percent right. I think oh, yeah. Trey Lance needs to play football. He needs to be on the field. He needs to be taking live bullets. He needs to see the game, the speed of the game. And I believe he's mature enough to handle the bumps, bruises and hiccups along the way. I believe he'll handle the press just fine coming at him when he makes bad decisions and games and he has the right acumen to do so. But, you know, normally I'm all about, I don't even, like, honestly, even when we had Eli, it was like draft him and sit him, like let him sit. But that's guys who've started three, four years in college, played the way. But this year with the adversity that Trey faced and sitting in the way he had to because of the pandemic and everything, I'm yeah. a big proponent of him. If he's their guy, let him be their guy. Yeah. And I think that, you know, he was asked to do a lot of protection-wise. He came from a pro-style system. I see a lot of people compare him to Patrick Mahomes, who obviously sat the entire year minus the last game. But Patrick Mahomes came from that air raid system, right? Like, there's not a lot that's translatable from that system to an NFL system. So, Well, think about it. It's a 17-week season or 17-game season now, right? 17 games. So even if they start one and four – one and four, first five games, they still have 12 games to go, you yeah. know, to make the playoffs, to do what they need to do. And the kids got his, his feet wet early and then they build off it and build from there. So again, for me in this situation with what you're looking at right now, I start the kid. If, if he gets a camp and he looks like the guy, get rid of Jimmy G to the best opportunity you can send him to. Give the confidence in the ball to the kid. Let him run it. Now, you got to backfill behind him a little bit, I think, maybe if you're going to do that with another veteran quarterback in order to make sure if he goes down, you don't leave the team you know, swinging in the wind. But at the same time, you need to – that's something you do as a personnel group in a you know, get-it-done type situation. But for me, if Lance looks as good as I think he will, I start the kid, let him go, and – don't have Jimmy G in the building as the backup because then the press can start pulling that string. When are they going to put Jimmy in? This kid's not looking good. Put Jimmy in. Put Jimmy in. Put Jimmy. No, Jimmy's out of the building. The safety net is Mike Glennon or something. You know what I mean? And therefore, we're not trying to pull the cord early and get him there. Oh, man. That is, yeah. He is maximum backup, Mike Glennon. He is the prototype of a backup quarterback. Good mention of Mike Lennon on the podcast, David. Last guy, I didn't know we had to mention him, but David put him on the script. So he, he wrote the mustache. I was like, who the heck is the mustache? Um, he's talking about Gardner Minshew. the mustache. Well, I, I, I'm at, I talk, I, 
for me, the the mullet sticks with my mind more than the mustache. But, you know, he's got the Joe Dirt look obviously going on. We're talking about Gardner Minshew, quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Starter in 2019 after being a six-round pick out of Washington State. What They t- they were with him early. They took him out because I think they were just trying to make sure that they stayed in the position they could to get a guy like a Trevor Lawrence. So now the question is like, you know, Gardner was pretty solid when he played football. So it's not like he's a disaster. I think he does have some trade value. So the question here, David, is what is his market? Where does he go? Who wants him? Is a team going to be willing to give him an opportunity to start? Like what is the outlook on a guy like Gardner Minshew? I think Gardner Minshew falls in a like almost like a Trubisky type situation where I think a team that might want a quality backup like San Francisco or something might pull off a, a double trade, trading Jimmy down to Houston and then the same day getting Minshew from Jacksonville to come over to be their backup in San Francisco. You know, um, there's a lot of history between Trent Polky, obviously, and the organization in San Francisco. So, you know, maybe they do that, maybe they don't. But I think you're looking at a situation like that to to make it happen so you know if you're looking at a backup situation you know that you need a guy excuse me you need a guy that can do it in a pinch and guide you through many games if you need them you go get you know you go offer the jacksonville jaguars some draft capital to bring him in and again you maybe make it a conditional pick where it's a six right off the bat but if he starts seven games or something for you as a starter it moves up to a a fourth or a third or something. So this way you can bring him in. And I think there are going to be some teams that I really do. I think there's going to be some teams that offer that. And it might even be Houston, honestly, in the division. If Deshaun goes on the uh, exempt list, they might, you know, and they can't get Jimmy. They might make a run at him. Or you can see a team like maybe your team, the Rams, or somebody make a run as a quality backup. Because oh, even you. though they have a starter, even though they have a starter, they don't have a backup that if that starter goes down, they they can ride the wave to the Super Bowl. You know what? The only team I want to throw out there, and it's not a you know a very great conversation for me because yeah, I think Gardner is what he is. New Orleans Saints for me is a team that is interesting. I think he would fit what Sean Payton wants to do in New Orleans. But for me, David, like this is my kind of mindset is. I think no matter where he goes, he is in the ideal situation. Is going to be a backup quarterback. I don't think there's going to be a big starter market for him. So, like, if I was Jacksonville, rookie quarterback, obviously Trevor Lawrence is going to start from day one. But, like, Carter's my backup. Like, he's making pennies. He was a six-round pick. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that – it's not like you have a massive contract on the books like a Teddy Bridgewater to a degree or a um, – a, Jimmy Garoppolo that we just talked about where they're, you know, going to be relegated to a backup option at some point, but yet they're making very good money. Like Gardner's making no money. He, he has no leverage. Like you're no, it's not leverage. It's, it's about the message in the locker room and, and in the press. If Gardner's in your building, then I think you wind up having that. If, if, if Trevor stumbles out the gate, then the media starts talking about bringing the stash back on the mall, whatever you want to call them, back into the fold and not having your young quarterback have to hear that. Getting that guy and getting something for him keeps that from having to be heard in his ear 
So the young guy just has the ball in his hand and he keeps going and keeps pitching um, without having to look over his shoulder because the old starter is still there. Like when, you know, again, it's just for me, Yeah, I like a clean breakup. Let me put it that way. I like a clean breakup. So therefore, it's just like, let's break up with the old quarterback by getting him out of the building since we got the new guy here. Kind of like what the Bears did. They didn't keep Trubisky. They got rid of him, got in the draft, got their guy. Now they don't have to have that conversation. For me, Gardner, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's going to be that much buzz just because, I mean, the dude got benched for Mike Glennon and Jake Luton last year. But we want to move on to the next topic. Maverick Sports Consulting is up for this challenge in remodeling your social media branding. We will customize your social media accounts to properly and accurately depict your messages to attract future employers. Stop searching for inroads and construct them with your social media planning. We will work with you to lay the foundation for a successful social media campaign to attract your next opportunity. Please go to MaverickSportsConsulting.com, MaverickSportsConsulting.com today to move your social media forward. So we want to kind of hit some of these topics very quick here. I know we're running out of time already on this fantastic episode. Again, Mav Sports Take episode 40. David, I know it's it, this one hits home with you. We want to talk about the scouting side of things. Usually, right after the draft, we're talking about, hey, scouting futures. Where are they going to end up? All that good conversation. This year's a little abnormal. So first, can you just kind of lay out the draft is over? What is the typical offseason outlook for a scout, either under contract for another year or maybe looking for a new opportunity? Historically, the day after the draft, Monday is called Black Monday in our in our world for scouting because people get let go after the draft right away. And the most scouting contracts run till June 1st. So the organization makes a clean break in the beginning of May. And then, you know, they have to move forward to, um, to find their next opportunity. So that all being said, you know, it's, um, it's a situation where you, um, you, you look for the, the movement to happen quickly. You know, this year we saw some movement initially. We saw some, some teams make some moves, but that slowed down. Not so many people are, you know, being reported. A couple people got hired, like over the weekend. Dan Morgan, I think, moved from the Bills down to uh, Carolina to be their assistant GM. Today, yeah. they hired a guy out of the New York football, t- or I'm sorry, the Washington football team to be their college director. Mike Martin, who used to be there, is now going to be up in the Lions in some capacity. So different things are happening. It's not as fast. I figure this week there'll be more. Uh, to report it later in this week and beginning of next week. Typically, all the moves are done by June 1st. But, you know, historically, you hear more at the combine of where people might move, how things are going to get done, or at the Senior Bowl, and you can meet and talk to some people. This year, we didn't see that because of all the um, stuff being virtual. So, therefore, it it became a situation where, you know, uh, it's really hard to figure out who's going to do what and what's going to happen here and what's going to – the rumor mill doesn't even know. Like I talked to some GMs last week um, personally about some opportunities and, you know, maybe where they are hearing of opportunity. And a few of them were like, man, I, I don't even know. Like, you know, drafts over and it's quiet. Yeah. Cause everybody's being done on the phone and everything's, you know, unless you pick up the phone and ask those questions, no one's calling you, you know, um, unless they're trying to hire off your staff or something. So yeah, it's not, um, it's not the normal time. So Veteran scouts like myself and others that I know 
Um, you know, they're having a hard time getting phone calls, getting two people talking to talking to individuals and young scouts that haven't been in before. They're having a hard time getting word out of uh, out of places that do have openings if if they're going to open up the interview process or not. Yeah, and that was my main takeaway that I kind of was laying out there because obviously we get a lot of questions for you know people that maybe have career aspirations in the scouting field. I think what you mentioned about the cancellation, the virtual aspect of the draft process for a lot of things, for the combine and some of the all-star games, that connection that you make with you know individuals from other teams, front office members, like whatever it is, I think that the people that have the advantage, and correct me if I'm wrong, are the people that have been there, done that, that already have those connects for the next job opportunity potentially. And for people that are trying to potentially break in, usually I would think that like, hey, it's obviously like, you know, oh, we're going to bring in like this younger guy. He's going to cost us less money. And that's fantastic. But this year, like if you don't know anybody, where are the connections coming from? You know what I mean? Well, and I think the relationship building has already had to be done. Like personally, I don't know the new GM up in Detroit or the one in Atlanta. Right. Like, I don't know them at all. Uh, I've met Nick Casario uh, once, you know, I, um, I can't say that I know him or he would even recognize my name. Right. So, you know, I've met him once and, and you know, I don't know how good his memory is on that. Um, so it's, you know, it, the relationships aren't installed. Like we're not sitting there knowing these guys and over the last, say, even two years, the road has been really different. So the pro day got canceled in, you know, 2020. And yeah. then, you know, they were kind of back in 2021, but sure. not everybody was out there on the road. Then you you kind of had a, you know, scouting season this year, but not really. And it was just, you know, again, it's just really, really weird. So it's kind of like you've had to have that inroad already laid. And I think people have to already know you to make the moves. Are you being, are people being let go? Yes. Are they being reported? Yes. You can go to obviously Neil Stratton's inside the league. He does a fantastic job, you know, tracking and tracing all that. He's a great friend of the show and of us, but that all being said, laying in roads to get into those people is not easy because of those things being missed this year. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely limits opportunity for sure. And then uh, for the people that are potentially looking for those career aspirations, I feel like the next stop, and I've already heard from a few people that you know are kind of inquiring about the possibilities in the NFL. Is the next step is CFL? Maybe that you know when they return, maybe there will be opportunities there. I know we had Farum on you know a while ago. Obviously, when when everything was happening, the cancellations and trying to figure out like what the next step is, you know where the money's coming from to to make it happen. I guess kind of what I wanted to leave on in this conversation, David, is like how. I don't want to say possible. How, how, what is the vindication in your, in your uh, confidence that the CFL will be back in a reasonable amount of time? And do you think that due to so much financial stress, there is going to be opportunities for young scouts or just player people that want to work for these teams in general? Do you think there's going to be much opportunity out there? Because I have to think it's going to be very limited. I think you're going to be offered faux free work. Right. You know, right. So that's, that's what it's going to come down to is, you know, okay, great kid. You want to say that you're one of our regional, whatever's faux free. That's fine. 
But that also being said, I know there's a ro- the roster limitations on who can do that because Saskatchewan used to have a bunch of scouts down here in the U.S. and they were, you know, based per game. They could go to a game and write a report on them and send them up there. And they had a whole fleet of those individuals down here. But not every team can afford that. So they wound up limiting how many people can be working for the team in any kind of capacity, whether it's a coach or a personnel. They have a they have limits. So again, I think they're trying to do more with less up there. So some opportunities down here to be area scouts and stuff for the teams, for the CFL teams, what might be in fold. But it's not if it's paying anything, it's gonna be like a couple hundred bucks per game you go to or something. Right. But it's not going to be like a lucrative deal. It'll be a foot in the door. And maybe, again, that's what somebody's looking for. Great. But I really have reservations that they're going to play, mainly because of what I'm watching happen in the country, more so than just the CFL. The country the other day was talking about rollouts being limited at this point and their doses being limited. So, therefore, you know, uh, one of the government officials went and said that likelihood of fans being allowed at sporting events probably won't happen till the winter. Well, mm-hmm. the win- if anybody knows the winter up there is not when you're really playing football. And, you know, football is at the end of this fall in, you know, November area because it's too cold to be playing in December up there. The, the fields and the winds and the snow and the weather is just too brutal. So, right. You know, if that's the reality uh, coming from the government that they're not going to allow fans in stands until then, then the likelihood of that that whole league having a season is question marked because of the, um, you know, of what's happening in the country. No fault of the league, but the league just doesn't have the money to sustain a season if there's no fans in the stands. It's just they don't make NFL TV contract style money and these players don't make that kind of money to, you know, they're already been asked to take a pay reduction to re-sign contracts and to fall under a salary cap, you know, as is. And then they, the league proposed a, a model where they would take a further pay cut if they played reported and played. Um, and then as fans got introduced back to the stands, they would, you know, up and increase. And the PA rejected that because they're like, there's no guarantee the fans are coming back. So you're trying to basically renegotiate the CBA without renegotiating the CBA because you're trying to ask us to have all our players take further pay cuts, which is something, honestly, as a union, you shouldn't be comfortable with. Um, so I applaud them for that, actually. And, you know, the league in itself, I said months ago, should probably take the 2021 season off plan for 2022 when they can put fans in the stands and come back. And, you know, yes, you're going to take losses and yes, there's going to be people losing more jobs and money and I get it. But as a league that if you want it to sustain putting a bad product on the field without fans in the stand is not a good model for the CFL. No, no, I agree completely. There's a lot of things that still need to be worked out. A lot of implications that need to be kind of, you know, understood. And, and I think that the, the best set for the best step forward still needs to be evaluated further opportunities limited. So sorry to end on a negative note here, but I know we wanted to kind of do our, what sticks with us, what we kind of want to leave the crowd with before we hit the outro here. 
David, I just want to do a quick shout out and then I'll let you end us. Um, Colt Brennan, of course, former Hawaii quarterback. And then he played with the uh, Oakland Raiders for a little bit. He played with the Washington Redskins at that time. Uh, unfortunately, passed away today at 37 years of age, which is a very sad thing to kind of end the podcast on. But for me, uh, I mean, so Colt Brennan's 37. I'm 29. I remember very vividly his Hawaii days. He was, I mean, for the, for a while, until, actually until Joe Burrow last year at LSU in 2019, he held the touchdown record, uh, shattered it. He had 58 touchdowns his junior season at the University of Hawaii was a guy that was a little well-traveled, was at Montana, I think, before Hawaii, and had a fantastic two-year run there at Hawaii and was a lot of fun. I mean, he had that old dark visor, fantastic player, obviously, in college. And then, you know, he had a couple coffee in the NFL for a little bit. But just really want to send out condolences and, and the deepest regards to the Brennan family. I know, obviously, this is a very difficult situation. 37 years of age is obviously – much too young to, to leave this world. So I, I really do want to just send my, my deepest sympathies out to them because I know it's a terrible time for them. But I do also want to celebrate what Colt Brennan was able to accomplish and the great football player that he was specifically at Hawaii under uh, June Jones and those those great uh, Rainbow Warrior teams back then. So want to set out my deepest sympathies and remember – an all-time college great quarterback, Colt Brennan, as his unfortunate passing happened here today. Colt was one of my guys. You know that I, I had him signed, and we were ready to play with him up in the UFL. Um, Jerry was our um, Jerry Glanville was our head coach, and you know he wanted Colt, and I was like, "Well, we got this Gerard Johnson out of Texas A&M. He's six <laughs> six and." agile and he's like yeah but colt now i'll tell you he's gonna he's gonna compete he's our guy and i was like okay let's bring them both to camp and let let the competition roll and then i got to inter- i got introduced to colt and came up for some press up in connecticut and uh we got to hang out and uh got to know each other pretty well and even when i moved to arizona colt stayed in contact with me and he came to town on a, an appearance or something and we went out and had a couple and reminisced about football and his dad joined us who's a very large man i mean very very big <laughs> man um you know colt was kind of his mom's body style little slender frame guy and mm-hmm. his dad you know was kind of you know an offensive tackle so it kind of surprised me but when i got him together and we started talking ball and talking everything and it was really a fun afternoon and then colt and i would text once in a while and then he got in a car accident and developed blood clots and different stuff that affected his health. Um, and, you know, he was in rehab when this happened. So that was, uh, that was an upsetting moment this morning when I saw it because I was rooting. I've always, ever since I met Colt, I've been rooting for him. Uh, he's just that kind of personality, that charismatic individual who, you know, everybody loved. And when he met you, there was a big smile and a hug and a, and a bra. How are you? All right, bra and a you know mahalo on the way out the door and um tough day. A lot of us uh UFLers that knew him text and talked and uh got a hold of each other today. And a friend of mine, Daniel, is there in the UFL or in the spring league right now, and he was with June and he said June and Jerry were really, really beside themselves a little bit today, and I could understand why. So to the family, you know, I, I do. I send my condolences, my love. 
my support, my prayers. I know Colt and his addictions are, are at peace now. And he's uh he's somewhere where our, him and I will we'll get together and we'll talk ball one day in the future. Cause uh he's a he's a really special young kid. Yeah, so again, biggest condolences to the Brennan family in their tough time here. Wanna end that and again, <clears throat> more than anything, um, you know, obviously the condolences and the, the sadness of today bring. Wanna celebrate the great football player and as David Turner kind of illustrated the great young man that Cole Brennan was as well. So ending the show there, we want to thank everybody that was able to stick around with us throughout the show, whether you were on Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook. Want to say, ask you if you could go to Apple podcasts or any other podcast platform that you use for the podcast, Matt sports take, send us a review, give us five stars. Really would appreciate it. Make sure that you like, share, and follow us all on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and Facebook as well. Mr. David Turner. I'm at Rise and Draft on Twitter. David is at Mav underscore sports. We thank you all so much. We appreciate you very much. Fun times ahead for the 2022 NFL draft cycle and just the 2021 year, 2022 year. I just can't. I, I'm so excited about the things that we have in store and in, in plans. Want to thank David Turner as always. Want to thank everybody out there. We will be back same time, same place next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.